mess with y'all. Y'all know that. But I'll be speaking to you today. Perspectives from a book I'm authoring. The keys to financial increase. And if you look at those keys dipped in blood, there's a narrative there. There's something that can be said just by looking at that because a, a key is a principle. And the blood is saying to dip that principle in blood. There's a narrative right there. Before I even preach it, there's a narrative right there in just what you're looking at. Keys dipped in blood. So, the book will have an emphasis on presenting God a living sacrifice. Hear that? Presenting God with a living sacrifice. Its basis will highlight the biblical correlation of grace in our living and how it parallels to our giving. You see, when you look at the plan God had for us and the righteous standard God had for our living through the law, we know it was not achievable in our own strength. When we looked and we saw what God required and what I am and what I can do, we saw, woe is me, I can't achieve that standard. It's too high. I can't achieve that. And it pointed us to a better way. Is that right? It pointed us to Calvary because we saw that we were inept and unable to meet God's holy standard. Can you say amen? That's what happened there in our living. But what about our giving? What happened to us as it relates to the same high standard of God that we could not meet in our own strength? Come on, pray with me. So most of us get that. And we see that Christ is that bridge to meet the standard But what have we missed is that the same principle applied to our giving, meaning that our best tithes or as filthy rags or our best living. So we know the Bible says that the Bible says that our 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 living, our perfect living in Isaiah 64 and six is as what filthy rags. Is that what it said? No matter how good you are, no matter how perfect a life you live. God said, what? You're filthy. Isn't that what he said? So let me ask you a question. Would God say that your perfect life is perfect for me, but then your money is clean? Would he say that? You've got to be cleaned up. But now, I'll take your money, though. Okay, bring your money in here. Bring, bring your sacrifice in here. That's okay, but, but, but you filthy. Would God say that? Come on. Now, see, I, I, it, it, the weight is going to come on you right quick. You're going to feel that, but it's going to point you to a better way. Can you say amen? Think about that. He wouldn't. We as a body have missed something here that God requires. And today, I'm going to help you see it. Are you praying with me? This is why Paul said in Romans 7, 9, and 1, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. I died in our living. You see that? We died. We recognize we died in our living. Here's the catch. Not only did we die spiritually, but our money died also. Why? Because the standard was raised on giving in the same way it was raised in our living. 
I'm going to stop right there. Somebody said, you gotta, let, me, let me grasp it all. I, 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 I got to catch it. I'm going to give you a pause right there. Did you hear that? It was raised at the same time. Living, giving, both raised upon the standard of God. Both of them, same place, raised up to a place that's unachievable. Are y'all praying with me? Translation, we got saved and left our money behind. That's <laughs> what happened. We got saved and we left our, our gifts, our sacrifice behind. So many of us have not understood why, why in spite of me tithing, am I still struggling? What's going on here? I, I tithe and I, I'm trying God, but, but yet I've got to decide, do I pay this? Do I pay that? Why is that going on? Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be like that. So I'm going to show you something that's going to help you. And, and I, I have a word that's going to change that and cause the extraordinary blessing just to be released under you. Can you say amen? The blessing is related to the preparation of your sacrifice. I retired. Let me show you an example. God just gave it to me Thursday. So he, I think God wanted to affirm his word to you. I think that's why it's happened Thursday. Thursday. Y'all know I retired already. I retired back in March. Uh, thank God. Hey, man. And Thursday, I got an email from UPS saying, we want to offer you an early retirement. Well, 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 folks, you understand I already retired, right? You, y'all do know that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I mean I, I've already retired. And, and, and they said, well, we understand that, but we want to offer you one anyway. Well, well how much is it? Well, it's about $90,000. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. I called them back. They said, we have a, we have a helpline you can call to verify. I called the helpline. Helpline. Tell me something now. Now, you know I retired already and you go offer me money to retire. Uh, let me look you up. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've got you approved for the retirement. I said, what the world is going on here? I called him again. I called a different person. Let me talk to somebody else. I called him back a second time. Now, now y'all understand I retired, don't you? Is this money mine? I said, let me check. Well, we see you called earlier. And yeah, I'm confirming. Yeah, it's still yours. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Listen to me. I'm talking about extraordinary stuff coming to you. Stuff that you didn't have to hunt down and chase down. The blessing of Abraham right out after you. I didn't go looking for that. I didn't even have to ask for it. I didn't have to even beg for it. This blessing. Come here, Anthony. Come back here. Come here. I got something for you. Come out here. What? What, what you got? 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 <laughs> Come on now. I'm talking to you. This is that type of word today that's going to release the extraordinary blessing unto your life. Ah, come on here. I feel the anointing coming on this word. And the keys of the increase is in offering God a perfect uh, living sacrifice. Are you ready? Let's make this faith declaration to the word of God. I ain't even started preaching yet. That's just an introduction. Amen. <laughs> Let's elevate the word of God because if we elevate the word of God, the word of God will 
elevate us. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even unto the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is alive. It knows what you're thinking, knows what you need. Let's pray for the anointing. Father, I pray for the anointing on your word. I pray that, Father, that the word of God comes out of me in the way that it came in with anointing and power. That the saints of God be released with the blessing of Abraham. That is your word said they should achieve. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, our scripture reference is found in Leviticus 17.10. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you. Upon the altar to make atonement for the soul. Did you hear that? I want you to hear that. The life of the flesh is in the blood. That's key. That's very key. Hold and bookmark that one. Also in your hearing, the text is found in Joel 2 and 24. And the floors shall be full of wheat. And the vat shall be shall overflow with wine and with oil. Can you say amen? So I'm going to speak to you today, the keys to financial increase. There are some keys that I can release to you today to let out the blessing of God that we're talking about here. Can you say amen? So listen, so whether you are a longtime tither or a new tither, as a result of this recent series that pastor has been teaching in, no doubt one of the scriptures that you found appealing was in Malachi and 10 and said and prove me now herewith saith the Lord of hosts if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive no doubt that appealed to you when you heard that you want the windows of heaven open unto you I had a thought the thought I had was what would it look like Or what would it be like if we could see the windows of heaven coming down and the blessing coming down before us? What would that be like if we could just know when we're getting blessed? Half the time, we don't even recognize when we're getting blessed. And I had the thought, what would it be like if we could just see blessing of God coming down? You know, it just, just, just here it is, just raining down blessing. Money from everywhere. What would that be like if we could just see the blessing coming down? You know, the second thought I had was, you know, that that wouldn't work. That would not work, God. You know why? Because somebody that sees the blessing over here on your window is going to come over here. Move back, Pastor Bird. Let me get some of that blessing. Get back. Get back. What's up, man? Get back. Man. Hey, man, that's my blessing. What you doing? Now I got to have some. I need some of this myself. Back up. Back up, Pastor Burks. Get back. Get back. Get back. And then here somebody comes up with a, a blessing tracker on an app. Somebody found an app. All right, where's the blessing this week? Where is God moving this week? Let me see. Let me see. Where is he moving at? Oh, he's over here on the birds window right here. This is where it is. Back up. Get, get back. Get back. Get back. And here they are fighting over the blessing under my window. But then here come a single mother. You know single mothers got needs. 
Okay, everybody back up from the blessed window. Everybody, everybody, get back. Everybody, back up from the blessed window. Baby daddy ain't paid no child support in two months. Y'all get back. Back back up. Back back up. Everybody get back. (laughs) Y'all pray for our single mother. It's hard out there. (laughs) You see, God can't show you that blessing. You see how we act? You see what we do? <laughs> this kind of reminds me of an observation I made at our men's advance. We had men fishing. And we had one man who would just brag. Oh, I almost had a big one. Man, he was big. I just, he got off the line like a, like a coon and a chicken hawk. He just got away. Y'all know who I'm talking about. But what I saw, I saw other men fishing down here. And the more he talked, the more they inched. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he, yeah, I almost had him. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he, he got him the line, just jumped off. Next thing I know, they fishing side by side. <laughs> Want to move down where the blessing is. What a blessing we saw in that, in that camp where men got healed and men got delivered. Is that right? Oh, we saw a great work in God in there. It's a new men's class coming in May. I want you to be ready for that as well. But God can't show you. He can't show you the blessing. People are not going to act right. But it's coming. Doesn't mean you're not going to get it. Just can't show it to you. So, but he wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to be able to give blessing away to somebody else. Second Corinthians 9-11 says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion. Every time the bucket passed, you've got something to give. You've got more than enough. You don't have to worry. Every time there's somebody that has a need, there's more than enough. And you've got something to give. You become the the answer to a prayer to the lower hand of God unto somebody else. God use you to lower his hand unto them. Can you say amen? More than enough. Say it with me. More than enough. For God wants you to be. Want to get you there. Got so much you have to store it. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you have too much furniture? You put it in the storage. You put it in the storehouse. Hear me. You put it in the storehouse, which means you don't have enough room yourself. You've got to put it somewhere else. Can you say amen? So when God says, he says, that I want to bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. It's a place of abundance. It's a place of overage. Can you say amen? It's what he's talking about. To my storehouse is more than enough so that there be meat in my house. Let me ask you another question. Do you think God would want his storehouse to be full and abundant and yours be empty? Something is wrong. It's not the model of God. He wants your storehouse. Or do you think he wants his storehouse full and overflowing and yours with barely enough in it? It's not it. Something is missing. 
Something is missing here. I'm going to show you what's missing. Can you say amen? Ah, I can't wait. Many of you are tithing out of lack and not out of the storehouse of abundance. Just tithing and just barely getting by. I want you to be a storehouse tither and not a poorhouse tither. Say it, amen. Say that. God, I want to be a storehouse tither and not a poorhouse tither. Ah, he wants that for you today. You're going to get it too. Just hold on with me. Stay with me for a little bit. Now, first of all, these keys, the principles. Principles are eternal. They don't change. They are immutable. A principle never changes. A method changes, but the principle never changes. The methodology is how you do things, but the principle of why you do it never changes. Principles are eternal. So there are principles in the earth. God has put them here. Principles of seed time and harvest. Principles of if you give, it should be given unto you. Press down. Those are earthly principles. They are in the earth. Sowing and reaping. Those are earthly. Hear me. Those are earthly principles. Some of us are getting our tithing returns on earthly principles. I'm going to show you how to receive the blessing from the spiritual principles. Ah, come on with me. We're getting our earthly blessing and God wants to give you a spiritual one. The extraordinary stuff that you didn't even ask for. Folks just coming to give you money. Ah, I'm going to tap you into that. You're going to get, I told you to bless your food because this, this is going to be a good meal for you. You're going to get blessed and it's over. But let me tell you something. The first four of these principles. The first four are going to be hard on you. I'll tell you right now. Five is the one. But you got to get through the first four. Why? I've got to show you. I've got to show you the inability that you have to meet God's standard. I've got to show you that. It's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt you. You're going to feel the weightiness of God's standard upon your giving. You're going to feel the weight of the law that killed you spiritually and killed you financially. You're going to feel the weight of that thing. It's the low point in the movie. Every movie has a low point. Is that right? But you got to keep watching because in the end, it's going to be all right. First four, it's going to be low. Your money's got to die because I got to show you that when you recognize this needs some help, this needs a better way. This needs an answer and it's going to point you to the blood of Jesus. That's going to breathe life into that which you give. Stay with me. These first four. You're going to get quiet. You're going to feel the weight. It's going to be, oh, you're going to breathe hard. Stay with me. You know, Jesus, when he was went to Calvary on Friday, he was scourged. It didn't look good for him right then. Didn't look good. He's been scourged. The disciples turned their back and said, get away from him. Get away. It's going to happen to us. Get away. I, I, I don't want to see. And he was scourged on Friday. But Jesus knew Sunday was coming. 
<laughs> so what I'm telling you, these first four is going to bring death to what you've been giving. But Sunday's coming. Key number five, grace. Sunday is coming. Can you say amen? Are you ready? Key number one, a sacrifice is a requirement for worship. It's a requirement for worship. Here we see Abraham and Isaac going to church. They're going to church. What do they got? They got the tools necessary for church. They got what? The, they are, the wood, the knife, everything they got is there except one thing is missing. What's missing? The sacrifice. You see, that tells you right there, your sacrifice, your worship is incomplete if you don't have a sacrifice. Can you say amen? Isaac said, Father, we have, we have the wood. We have the fire. We have good singing. We have good preaching. You can't come in there and just enjoy that and walk out without leaving God a sacrifice. It's incomplete. It's not thorough. It's not, it's not. It's not complete. It's not consummated. Because you, if you leave this place, care how good it was, and you get up and walk out of here and don't leave God a sacrifice, then you're incomplete. It's not the church needs your money. You need the church that has an altar that can get your money up to heaven. Can you say amen? Not about the church getting your money. It's about you having a means, a way. How are you going to get your sacrifice to God if the church doesn't have an altar to get it there? You can't get it there. You can't UPS it. We can't get your sacrifice up to heaven. Your altar can. But you want to thank God you have the type of clergy and the type of church that's holy and doesn't drive around a pink Bentley and a pink outfit to match. Can you say amen? How many of y'all saw it on Facebook? I saw that last week. I don't know whose pastor that was. I don't even know. Had a pink Bentley and pink shoes and pink everything. People sacrificing at that altar. But you got one here that's holy. Come on. Can you say amen? So when I get ready for worship, when I come to church, I have to get the elements that I need for worship. I know that my heart has to be right. I have to grab my checkbook my sacrifice I have to grab my ink pen because now these become holy instruments <laughs> yeah. they're no longer an ordinary checkbook it's no longer an ordinary pen these become the instruments used for sacrifice <sighs> come on you're hearing that showing you the holy standard of God he's holy we must approach him in a holy standard. Are you praying with me? So I'd never leave that place. When you see me over there, you can bet I'm not going to leave here if I don't have a sacrifice for God. Can you say amen? Sometimes I forget. And the Holy Spirit, remember me. He said, Anthony, you forgot your sacrifice. I'm turning around. Let's go back. <laughs> and give God the sacrifice. It's not about the church taking your money. It's about you knowing how to sacrifice unto God. Are you praying with me? Next. Then we see the day. We see the tithes. We see that there were annual feasts where it was mentioned in Exodus 23 and 15. 
where the feast of the unleavened bread was when you were to bring God a sacrifice. And he said, do not appear before God empty. Why? Because the feast of unleavened bread represented the time that God brought you out of bondage. He says, therefore, you shall remember what the Lord thy God has done for you in bringing you out of bondage. And you shall not appear before my throne empty. Has God done anything for you? Has God brought you out of bondage? Have you been set free? Has God delivered you? Don't appear before my altar empty. Bring something in your hand. (laughs) Hey, mama. My mama over there. Hey, mama. I love my mama. I'm glad my mama's still alive. Hey, man, I got a mama that's alive. (laughs) But God said, don't bring, don't come to my altar empty-handed. You remember what I've done for you. Come on, you're feeling the heaviness of this thing. Are you feeling the presence of God over your giving? Yeah, I feel the anointing. Woo, y'all help me. Mm. So, key number one, a sacrifice is required for worship. Number two, your sacrifice must be perfect and perfectly prepared. Ooh, another standard. A perfect sacrifice, perfectly prepared. How do I, how do I do that? See, first Peter one and 18 says, for, you know, that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from, but with precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or a defect, whether tithe or beast or sin offerings or whatever you brought to the altar, it had to be without contempt, without flaw. It had to be without blemish. It had to be without spot. You couldn't bring God anything that wasn't perfect. That lamb couldn't be blind. Couldn't be anything wrong with him. You go in there. I can see some of my brothers trying to get something by. Come on, priest, bro. Come on. This lamb here got a little bit of a, I mean, he got a little bit of blindness in his eye. But come on, bro. You're going to kill him anyway. Come on. Come on, priest. You know what I'm saying, bro? Come on, really? He going to die. Well, come on, really now. Come on, just, just take him. Come on, take him. <laughs> God couldn't take that. It's contemptible to bring God something that's not your best. Are you praying with me? I'm trying to sneak anything by. Let me tell you something. God's instructions were so explicit. I'm going to read you an excerpt from the book of Leviticus. That's going to show you just a snippet. Leviticus 8. Of how, how explicit God is with his sacrifices. He told Moses, take the blood of the sacrifice and place it on the right tip of Aaron's right ear and upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toes of their feet and sprinkle the blood around the altar. And Moses was to wave the offering before the Lord. And he was to stand in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation day and night for seven days. I'm stopping right there. Do you think it matters to God how you prepare the sacrifice? Does it matter to him? Is it important in the way that we approach his altar? Is it important to God? Are you saying that? 
And he says this. So Aaron's son did all the things which the Lord commanded, lest they die. It was so important that if you didn't do it, you were going to die. Does God care about your preparation? Standard heaviness coming over you. I, I, I know you sense that. Next, God checks the attitude in which you give. The spirit in which you bring the tithe must be upright. Somebody here has a spouse. I hear in the spirit who says this. We can't afford to give. It's making it hard for our family. Watch this. Similar words found in Malachi 1 and 13. Where the word says, this is what you say that God heard you say. What a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord God Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or deceased Disease animals and offer them a sacrifice or less than your best. Should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? You hear him? Do you hear the spirit? Do you see the standard? He sees the attitude in which you give. You got to approach God right. It's holy. It's a holy process. It's not ordinary. And so then... Only God knows what your best looks like. Next, you can't bring God any unforgiveness to the altar. What? What? Yeah. Here it is right here. Matthew 5 and 24. Hear the word of the Lord. And he says, leave your gift there in front of the altar first and go and reconcile to them. Then come and offer your gift. Translation, God says, I don't want your gift. When you've got unforgiveness in your heart, go back and fix that first. Then come back to my altar and give me something. You can't bring God anything with unforgiveness. Let me tell you why. You see, God's love is conditional. It's unconditional, but his forgiveness is conditional. He says right here that if you don't forgive, Matthew eleven twenty six. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Now, this can mess everything up right here. You can mess everything up right here. Why? Because to get atonement, you have to get forgiveness. How can God atone for your living or your giving if it gets blocked up right here with unforgiveness? If you have no forgiveness, you have no atonement. Oh, that's a problem. That's a grande problem. Can you say amen? You've got to work that forgiveness thing out. It's going to mess everything up for you. Maybe the reason you're not getting blessed right now is because God can't receive that altar, that sacrifice. Go back and fix that right now with that alt you have with your brother. Then come back to my altar. Come on and pray with me. I'm giving you the word of God. You've got to bookmark that one right there. Point number three. Let's see, I'm on one, two, three. Says here, God's standard can't be met by you. If your money ain't dead yet, it's getting ready to die now. Are y'all praying with me? It's a low point. I, I, I see y'all. I, I see y'all. Oh, God, have mercy, Jesus. I, I see it on you. Don't worry. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. God's standard can't be met by you. God standard to tithe under the law from which it came is too high to meet in your own strength. 
The Bible says, bring ye all the tithes. Plural. It's not one of them. There's three of them. There's three tithes. Why? Because there was not, it was plural. The three tithes were, number one, the Levitical tithe or the sacred tithe. Number two, the tithe of the feast. Number three, the tithe of the poor. So, the Levitical tithe is the tithe consecrated to God and the furtherance of the gospel and has therefore validity for all believers. Y'all quiet, aren't you? Mm Mm-hmm, I told you. I told you. But just keep waiting. Keep living. Stay with me. Included in this tithe, according to Leviticus 27, 30 and 33, and all the tithe of the land, whether of seed of the land or the fruit of a tree, is the Lord's, is holy. This would mean all sugar, all spice that you got from a neighbor, all birthday presents, all Christmas presents, everything needs a tithe. You can't keep all of that. Your spices and everything. Be like my Hispanic brothers. He said, baby, where's that jalapeno? Every, every tenth jalapeno is the Lord's. Baby, I had a jalapeno over here to the side. What you do with it? What you mean when I do it? I put it in the pot. No, girl, that was for the Lord. What you cooking for? That one was the Lord's, girl, nina. You weren't supposed to cook that one. You didn't say nothing to me. It didn't have no, you didn't say nothing. I cooked it. Hermano? I said it right? And, and so she says, it didn't have no halo around the stem or nothing. <laughs> we have to know that's a standard that we can't keep. We can't live up to that standard. It's too high. Are you praying with me? And by the way, if you think, and I know there's somebody in here saying, oh man, that tithe thing was Old Testament. Y'all keep bringing that Old Testament here. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus said to tithe. <laughs> yeah, he did. He said right here. He says in Matthew 23 and 3, 23 and 23, he says, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and jalapeno and hot sauce and sugar and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law of judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you have done and not to leave the other undone. What's the other? The tithe. You should not have stopped tithing. Fix all your other mess, but you don't stop tithing. Are you saying amen? Are you printing with me? So then, the next thing is that you think Jesus does not believe in the tithe when he himself was a tithe? Hmm. I said he was a tithe. The Bible says Jesus was the first fruit of the resurrection. Now, if you understand the first fruit principle, you know that the first fruit was not the tithe. It determined what the tithe would be. Because if you had a harvest that you were expecting to bring in to God, and it looked good, it looked promising, but you don't know if locusts or storm or what's going to come and destroy the whole crop. So you would bring God the best that you see that's promised. 
and you bring that to God and you say, God, here's, here's the best that I have. Here's my first fruit offering. And, and he, you present it to God. And the Bible says, if God found it acceptable, he would guarantee that the rest of that crop would be guaranteed. Now watch this. That means, because the Bible says in Romans eleven sixteen, if the first fruit be holy, then the lump is also holy. You know we are the lump and he is the first fruit. That means, watch this, in 1 Corinthians 15 and 20, it says, but here we see Jesus, who was the first fruit of the resurrection. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that sleep, of those that are in the grave right now. He is the first fruit of those that are sleeping right now. But there's a guarantee that they will be resurrected. Can you say amen? It's a guarantee. Why? Because the first fruit was holy. So you say you don't believe in the tithe. You don't believe in the first fruit principle. God might say, leave that one there in the grave. He doesn't believe in the first fruit tithing. Leave him in there because you're going to be resurrected on the principle of first fruit tithing. Can you say amen? <sighs> you dead yet? Somebody dead yet? I got to show you. So then, the second tithe was the tithe of the feast. The Levitical law required that the Jew had to go up to Jerusalem on certain occasions. This is a camp meeting tithe set aside for self-spiritual development. Third, tithe was for the poor. Every third year, you were to bring in 10%. It was for the sojourners, the fatherless, the single mothers, praise God. You were to help them every third, every, every third year. And so here's the thing. I need you to remember that the Mosaic law is viewed in the scripture as the Torah or one law. It's always singular when applied to the law of Moses. It contains 613 commandments, but don't mistake it. It's one big law. It's one big law, one holistic law. It's not a law of this, that, and it's one. If it were a tablet of stone, it would be one tablet of stone, the whole law. And which means you can't cut and paste this and that. You know, we cut this and paste over here. We cut this and paste this. You can't cut anything and paste in the law of God. No cutting and pasting. You take it all. You live under it all. Or you take none. This is why the Bible says in James 2 and 10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one, he's guilty of all. Ooh, you feel the weightiness? You feel that standard coming over you? You feel that? You make one mistake under the law and you're out. One. You don't give one tithe. Ooh, ooh, you feel that? You feel that? You make one mistake under the law. You're guilty of all. You ain't got none of it right. So what am I saying here? Do we, do we then do away with the standard of God's perfection found in the law? No, we are justified through it. Here's where Jesus comes in. God is not going to lower his standard. He's just going to make provisions for you to meet the standard that he made. Can you say amen? Watch this Romans 3 and 19. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith 
in Jesus Christ unto upon all them that believe. I said Christ was the end of the law, not because the law was done away with, but because he met on our behalf every demand of it. Do you hear that? He met it all. He kept it all. He is the fulfillment of our righteousness. God never removed the law. He said, I'm going to make a way that you can, that you can meet the standard. Can you say amen? Oh, here. I hear life coming. Come on, start breathing. Because here it comes. So you summarize the three types of tithes in the Old Testament. We see a tithe for God. We see one for you. And we see one for your neighbor. But you see here, what am I doing here? I'm showing you your weakness to fulfill God's standard that will redirect you to a better way. Come on, stay with me. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. Come on, you're praying with me. Key number four, God's standard must be met through the spirit. Ooh, watch this one. All of these giving standards came under law. Let's go back to Romans 7 and 9. I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. I died when the law came. I died in my living. And guess what? I died in my giving. Both of those under the same commandment. Under the 613. So when you miss one, you miss them all. So here the law, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 6, says... For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter of the law brought death to our living and our giving. So watch this. I want to show you an illustration of what happened. So when you got saved, you came to church a sinner. You said, I'm a sinner. I, something compels you to come to the church, to the house of God. And you heard the word of God. And the word of God showed you your inability to meet God's standard. You saw the standard God required. And you recognized. I can't meet that standard. In your living. You therefore realizing. I can't meet the standard of God. You moved down to the blood. And you made a confession. Father I am a sinner. I am, a, I am weak. I am unable to fulfill your standard. Blood of Jesus atoned for me. That I may be the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And you confess that. And the blood of Jesus cleansed you from all unrighteousness. And you walked out of that place. A new and revived believer. Why? The spirit gave you life. How? In the blood of Jesus. Because why? The life is in the blood. <laughs> the life is in the blood. The very life of that law is found in that blood. So when you stop by the blood, that which was dead began to breathe. That which was dead, it began to get life. Because why? There is life in the blood. Are you praying with me? But watch this one. Then in our, in our giving, we came to church. We came here. We we're already a believer. Now we've got to attach a new spiritual discipline to our lives. And we hear the word of God. And we hear the tithe. And to bring God all thy increase. And you do all, you hear all that God requires. And so you respond to that. And you begin to write out your envelope. And you write it out. And you bring that which is earthly. Hear it. <coughs> Excuse me. You bring that which is earthly into the house of God. 
and you write it out and then you get ready to give it and you bypass. You bypass the blood. Ah, the opportunity to give life to that which is earthly. Here the blood is just breathing. Just waiting to give that tide life because he wants a living sacrifice. And we walk right past it. And put it in the house of God. Miss the opportunity to breathe life into that sacrifice. Here the blood is breathing. Saying I'm right here. I'm right here to give life. There is life in my blood. The very life that I've lived is right here waiting for you. And we walk right past it. Come on, pray with me. I'm getting ready to help you with something. Uh, so, so here then, I want you to see this. It brings you to the key number five. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Come on now. I had you down in the grave. Come on, it's time to resurrect you. the the life of God's standard is found in his blood let's go back to Leviticus 17 and 10 it says for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for the soul because the life of every creature is in its blood that is why I've said that the Israelites you must not eat the blood of any creature because the life of every creature is in the blood what that means is that this the very life that a creature lives is in the blood this is why an atonement can be made of a lamb that's pure because the life they lived whatever they did 10 20 30 years ago is in the blood come on hear me whatever you did is in the blood That sacrifice must be innocent because the life they lived is in the blood. Therefore, when we look at the life of Christ, 33 years of his life, of his sacrifice, of his keeping the law perfectly, is found in the blood. Can you say amen? (laughs) Come on with that. (sighs) That means that the life that you need to have, give life. They said the life is in the blood and he's waiting to give life to your sacrifice. So then what would happen? What would happen if we understood? Come on with me. If we understood that I have a sacrifice to make unto God. And if we understood that what I have to give. The Bible says here in Revelation. It says, it says here, Romans 12 and 1. It says 12 and 1. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. You see, God wants what's living, holy, and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So then, Revelation 1 and 18, it says, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive evermore. What I'm saying here is that Jesus saying, I was once dead, but now I'm alive. What would happen? What would happen if we understood that there is life right here in this blood? What would happen then if we understood that I can take this and now that which is earthly, that which is not 
alive. I can give it life through the blood of Jesus. What would happen if we were to take this and dip that in the blood of Jesus? And the life is given unto that which is dead because the Lord said, I want a living sacrifice. We take that which was dead and the life found in the blood and we give life. We breathe life and bring God a living sacrifice. And now, place that one. We confess, Father, my tithe is weak. My money is impure. But the blood of Jesus makes it pure. It makes it righteous. I confess my weakness over the blood and over my sacrifice. But your sacrifice is made alive by the blood of Jesus. Now, now, now take that one. Take that one which has life. Take that one now that's been breathed life into it and bring God a living sacrifice. Place that one in the altar. Ah, ah, yeah. What happens then? This is where the supernatural, the supernatural blessing is. This is where the supernatural is. When we get to that point. Now, hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is this saying. Now you're ready for the release. <laughs> now, when you give God that type of offering, when you bring him that which is living and that is no longer dead, there is a word be released over you. Yay! Ha. Ha. There's a word now. <laughs> There's a word now you're in position for. You're in position now for the word to be released over your giving. That the blessing of God comes over you. Hear it now. Joel 2 and 24. Hear it now. And the floors, that threshing floor, we're talking about your finances. That open area. That voided place. Come on, I'm filling my slide. Come on. That openness. That place of nothingness. Your finances, your bank account, your, the emptiness, that threshing floor that has nothing in it. You've been working and toiling in the place of emptiness. <laughs> Come on, that place, the Lord says, it shall be full. Yeah, hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it. And watch this. The word Hebrew translated for full is male. What does male mean? It means to be at an end, to be expired, to come to an end. What should come to an end? What shall expire? Thy emptiness. There's an expiration date to your empty. <laughs> male. Come on, you got a male. Give your empty an expiration date. How are you hearing me? You gave it an expiration date. Some. Why? Because of the wheat. Because he's going to give you wheat. Wheat has to be separated. You see, the same threshing floor now will be made full. Because why? You gave an expiration date to your empty. How? Because of the word of the Lord. You brought God a living sacrifice. Now he can release unto you. Ah! Ha! He can release unto you. A word, a molly 
that you can call and that you can say that which is empty has an expiration date to it. I call upon the expiration of my empty. I call an expiration date to me being broke. I have an expiration date to there being lack and inefficiency. I expire it by the word of the Lord. Oh, y'all not hearing me? Because of the wheat. The wheat has to be separated. The wheat has to be broken. The, the grain from the husk, the surplus from the lack and deficiency. You've got to shake loose and separate the affordable from the unaffordable. You've got to learn how to stop supporting somebody else's business to have a business of your own. There's enough store-bought hair in here to clothe King Combs back. And nobody in here has a hair store. Somebody's going to get a revelation. Somebody's going to get a revelation of increase. So here, here's the thing. The next part of it says right here, and moreover, I said moreover, say moreover, your vats shall be full and overflow with wine and with all. This is you all, but you see you're in a place of pressing. You've got to press your way through evictions. You've got to press your way through uh, uh, layoffs. You've got to press your way through lawsuits. You've got to press your way through bankruptcy. You've got to press. Come on. Press it. Come on here. I'm just pressing. I'm pressing through. I'm pressing. But the more I press, the more my vats get full. And my vats are getting full because I'm pressing. I'm pressing. I'm pressing. Come on. I'm pressing. Look at the oil coming. Look at the oil filling up. The oil is filling up. You're going to press through the bankruptcy. Woo! Your vats are going to be full. And guess what? The pressing is right near the vats. You're right near it. Your pressing is right near the vats. Stand to your feet. I'm done. Oh! <laughs> oh! Hey! Come on, say, oh! Hey! Ha! 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 Oh! You do it until you feel it. Oh! Ha ha. Has a release. Woo! Come on here. God needs to raise up some millionaires. Some more millionaires. We got a few, but we need some more. You got to redeem your finances and give God a living sacrifice. People start giving you stuff. I had a man come to me a month ago. He says, Anthony. I saw you flip houses. You know what? I bought a house. All I want you to do is just fix it up the way you do. And me and you will split half the profit. Come out here. Hey, we got to buy stuff. Folks just want to give you stuff. I'm talking about getting a release from a living sacrifice. Can you say amen? Come on, altar workers. Mm, come out here. Come on up here. Here, here's the key. You've got to confess your weakness. You've got
you've got to confess your weakness. See, when we come in here and we give our tithe and we pound our chest that we obeyed God and giving him our 10% and we fail to realize we've not given life to that thing. How do you give life to it? You confess your weakness. You got to confess your weakness to it. You got to confess that what I'm doing is weak. When you confess what's weak, what happens? You get, he says, my strength is made perfect. Come on. My strength is made perfect. A perfect sacrifice. A living sacrifice is now made perfect. How? When you confess weakness, this tithe is not enough by itself. But your blood gives life to that which I give. And he says, I give you strength and I give you life. Hey! <laughs> I'm talking about supernatural returns. Not an earthly return. Not an earthly return. But a spiritual one. I want to pray for you. Anybody? I want to pray over your finances over this word over your release come up here if you want me to pray come to the altar come to the altar just going to pray this release over your giving fill me up Lord fill us up come on here I gotta hurry I gotta hurry Father <laughs> ah, ah. Father, I've given them your word. They didn't know. They didn't see. But now they see the type of offering. Ah, by the word of the Lord. They understand, Father, what is required and what you've done for them. I pray. I pray over them now. I pray the release from heaven. Father, let the supernatural, extraordinary return and blessing of Abraham come over them as they now see your holiness, as they see your standard that we cannot meet in our own strength. We cannot hit it, but God, your blood can hit it. We understand that you require a holy sacrifice. Ha, 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 ha.